Chapter Twenty Three of The Last of the Vikings by Johann Boyer, translated by Jesse Muir. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twenty Three. The seal found a little creek in front of a talus on the east side of the fjord. The grapnel was dropped, and the boat moored at both ends on account of the current, and at last the small boat's keel grated upon the beach, and the men tramped up with heavy, stiff feet, their iron heels striking sparks from the stones. "'Oh!' groaned Arndt Olson, sinking onto a rock. "'I really believe I'm tired.' "'If only there was as much as a dog-kennel here,' sighed Cornelis Gumon swinging his arms across his chest to warm himself. "'You must try and find some water, Lars,' said Christaver, handing the kettle to the boy, and then saying to the others, "'We'd better bring the sail ashore and hang it up as a tent for the night. You must row out for it, Cornelis. "'But there isn't a scrap of wood here to make a fire with,' said Henry Robin, looking around the stony slope. "'It was true.' These worn-out men were in need of something hot to drink, and there was not so much as a twig. Lash returned with a kettle, wading in snow, above his knees. He had filled it at a brook, but what was to be done about a fire? "'We shall have to take something from the boat,' said the headman, and he shouted to Cornelis on the boat and told him to pull up a footboard in the forepart of the boat and bring it ashore. The board was split up, and while the little fire burned under the kettle a few yards from the waves that broke upon the sand, the men stamped down a square of snow to a hard surface, set up four oars, and hung the sail over them, thus making a kind of tent that would keep up for the night, if only the weather remained calm. Under it they spread out a tarpaulin on the snow, and when the skin rugs had been brought in, the five men lay down, leaning on their elbows. They drew long, deep breaths while waiting for the coffee that Lars was making, but sank back and slept for a little. They would have died only to get rest, to rest without moving again. But the coffee was ready. A provision chest was brought in, and a lantern lighted, but the sight of one another's faces with staring eyes like those of madmen almost made them afraid. Cups? Who would trouble to look in the chest for them? There was a tin to pour the coffee into, and it could be passed round. Coffee once more. Something hot once more. It put life into them, and warmth into their joints and limbs. Their swollen hands could not eat the bread in slices or spread the butter. They took bites off the loaf and swallowed them, almost unchewed. It was good. It was really food. The cold was intense, and their breath rose in white clouds, and very soon their wet sea-boots and leather clothes began to stiffen. Pulling their southwesters well down over their ears, and their big woolen gloves well up over their wrists, they lay back, two under each skin coverlet, and slept. Outside a few embers still glowed in the ashes of the coffee-fire on the beach. Little red stars gleamed on both sides of the grey fjord where other boats' crews had made their fires— some had made snow-huts, but the greater number made tents with their sails. The great thing was to lie down and sleep. One by one the lights on board the sailing-vessels went out, 
and the men lay there crowded together in the cabins and down in the hold and slept and while they slept the night drew white streamers of aurora up over the sky and the waves splashed against ships and rocks and broke upon the grey sand frost had come again after the snow but a host of warm dream visions passed through the cold polar night the sleepers were at home they met their wives and children parents and brothers and sisters they had come home with riches they painted the houses and cultivated the land they took wives and children to the town and bought whatever they desired banks and tradesmen here's your money kindly give us a receipt good fortune had come at last at last the fisherman sails so far to seek it and generally comes home disappointed but this time he has it at last now we will settle down on the land buy a big farm and drive to church in a pony carriage with a well-groomed horse most certainly the toil on the sea is over toward morning when the tide turned and began to come in the wind rose it did not need much wind to lift the sail roof off the oars and carry it over the rocks and soon the six men from the seal lay sleeping under the open sky the wind blew farther up the fjord and began to play with all these sails that were meant for houses and soon hundreds and thousands of wet fishermen lay sleeping under the open sky of a frosty nordland night they turned uneasily in their sleep perhaps they dreamed of ice in their dreams they put on more and more clothes but strange to say they never became warm even if they wrapped themselves up in all the wool in the world many of them dreamed that they had money in their pockets and had been to town and bought great fur coats like those the priest and the doctor wore at home but they could not have been really good ones for they only grew colder and colder after they put them on there were some that night who slept themselves into paradise so that it was impossible to wake them the next morning christopher miran however woke with a cold and starting up found that his hair and beard were white with frost and his sea-boots which he had drawn up over his thighs in the evening were frozen so stiff that he could not bend his knees his thighs and calves were as unbending as if his boots had been of iron and he actually had to break the boots across the knees he stood up replaced the sail upon the oars and lighted the end of candle in the lantern the men all lay with their eyes closed but Eleseus Hylla's face was strangely red, and he was talking in his sleep. Christaver tucked the sheepskin coverlet closer about Lash, and then stood looking at the boy as he lay, his hands buried deep in his big woolen gloves. His face was such a child's face, and he made little plaintive sounds in his sleep, just as if he were lying with his head in his mother's lap. Christopher began walking along the beach to get warmth into his limbs. If only he had had wood to make a fire! He supposed he would have to go on board and sacrifice another footboard and make coffee for the men again, for they must not lie here and die of cold. Farther along the beach, Peter Susansa's crew had landed. Their sail too had been blown off the oars, but it had dropped upon the men, and they lay there sleeping, as it were, under one great winding-sheet. 
and was not that the headman himself sitting on a stone over there on the beach looking out over the water is that you peter it was some time before the old man answered he was sitting as motionless as a rock at last he turned his head and said i'm almost glad to-night christopher that i'm about done for yes it is cold christopher was not in the mood for talking and he turned and tramped back through the snow and stones along the beach beating his arms across his chest and rubbing his ears and nose with his woollen glove but when he returned once more the old man was still sitting in the same place did he want to freeze to death i say you must move about man peter turned his head again and christopher saw that his beard and hair and clothes were white with frost and ice oh never mind it doesn't matter what happens to me he said what nonsense come get up you'll freeze sitting there oh i haven't much longer to live anyhow wait while i fetch another board and then we'll make some coffee and christopher rowed off in the little boat to the seal peter Jusanza continued sitting where he was the doctor had said that the reason he had leprosy was because he had had such a hard life on the sea well he had been on the sea for almost fifty years and he had not exactly become a rich man but this was his last year and that was the end of it and whether it ended to-night or in a year's time an hour later the men had to be up and out again fish fish the time would surely come when they could both eat and sleep properly ships came in that day with planks to sell for the building of huts and wood for firing now at last aunt Olson was to obtain full redress fishermen are generally very clumsy in handling axe and saw but aunt had grown up so to speak beside a carpenter's bench and now he was in his element and took the lead at once he tramped about in the snow and was a carpenter it was true that the saw and axe from the boat were of the poorest but there is a great deal in knack he sawed and he chopped and he hammered and he chewed a quid and looked wise and he asked even the headman to hand him this and to hold up that the eyes that were so often hidden came into view and looked people straight in the face he regained his self-confidence and could even afford to be amusing this'll be something like a house he said we must have a parlor and a dining-room and a bathroom and a ballroom just as the rich men have just you wait and you'll see he did all this by the light of a lantern when they came ashore after a day of toil tired now when at last he had got hold of something that he understood the saw whined and the axe had to do duty as a hammer the framework was raised and the planks were fitted together to make walls and roof just you wait this'll be something like a house it was larger than the cabin of their boat they could almost stand up in it and soon there were benches along two walls and planks were laid upon the snow and fastened together by cross pieces to make a kind of floor table what about some planks with new cross pieces laid over them and two barrels to stand upon this'll be more like a sanatorium than anything else said aunt and he hammered and sawed and went on making it better and better 
the best of it was that he felt that he had become a different man in the eyes of his comrades he was their equal now and after this Lars and Cornelis would not begin to laugh whenever he opened his lips. All that day Elesius Hilla had had a strangely red face while they were on the water, and talked as if he did not know what he was saying. In the evening, when they were lying in the hut, he asked for a strong dram, for he shivered and was so cold inside, and had such a pain in his side. There was a medicine that every headman had with him, and that was a bottle of brandy to which camphor and pepper were added. Christaver unearthed it from his provision chest and poured about half a cupful down the throat of the sick man, who put his hand to his throat, coughed, and then, pulling the skin coverlet up over his head with southwester on, turned away. The lantern was extinguished, and the men all went to sleep. The plank floor was harder to lie upon than snow and the night was cold again, but at any rate the hut did not blow down. They slept, and no one sat up to look after the man who was ill. End of chapter 23